Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Before we start, this talk show is presented by Big Water Cabins. Big Water Cabins are located in Pillager, Minnesota, located just southeast of Brainerd, about 14 miles. No matter the season, the location of this home will always provide entertainment. Close to Brainerd, Nisswa, Gull Lake, Maddens, Craggins, Cuyuna State Park, Mount Skigull, Brainerd International Racetrack, and much, much more. The property lets you take advantage of many activities in the area, including fishing, skiing, biking, hiking, shopping, golfing, snowmobiling, and once again, much, much more. There are five total cabins sitting on four and a half acres. Only two are open until May. That means just two of the cabins being open in the wintertime. The main cabin can easily sleep 10. Cabin number two is one bedroom, queen, one bath, and has a full kitchen and living room. The saloon will be open for, the, for use during the winter months. In the saloon, there is a bar equipped with a mini fridge, pizza oven, dartboard, poker table, other games, and a smart TV. During summer months, all of the cabins are open and the property can sleep up to 20. High-speed internet, Wi-Fi, or high-speed Wi-Fi, sorry, sauna, smart TVs, dartboard, poker table, gas grill, and washer and dryer all available. The property offers privacy and fun. There's so much to do and we love hosting all groups. Whether you're looking for a family reunion, friends getaway trip, team retreat, or work party, all are welcome at Big Water Cabins. Visit airbnb.com backslash h backslash big water cabins for winter bookings and for summer, spring, fall bookings, visit airbnb.com backslash h backslash big water getaway. Let's get into the show. All right, I'm starting it up. Everybody's loud. Everybody's what? Everybody's allowed. Like Everybody's allowed. You know, we don't Have discriminate against animals. Mm-hmm. No, don't discriminate Obviously. against animals. Don't discriminate against anyone. I wonder. Don't discriminate against age. Remember, we had, I mean, we had a age. One-year-old. That's true. Yeah. yeah. He was hanging. Mm-hmm. He was sleeping, but he was hanging. <laughs> he was hanging. He was hanging. <laughs> yeah. So. Very nice. Well, here we are. Round two. Round two. Episode two. Friday Part night. Two. Part two, yes. Friday night, January, or February, my God, 11th, 8.05 p.m. Super Bowl, two days away. Super Bowl is two days away, oh my God. That's exciting. It is exciting. Any any takes on the Super Bowl before we get, you know, really into the stories? I know who I want. I want, I want, the, I want Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I love that story. Play, haven't made the playoffs. Yeah. What, 30 years? Now they're in the, in the bowl with a young QB1. Mm-hmm. But I also like the story of Matt Stafford coming from Detroit. And the Rams are just a stacked team. And they're playing at home, which is even cool. So uh-huh. I can't be mad at whoever wins. But I, I, if I was a betting man, I want the Bengals. I want uh-huh. the Bengals. Yeah. That's kind of That's mine. Go Joe, ahead. Joe Burr. Yeah? All about the underdog story. All about it. I like that too. I like I like the way you explained it, because mm-hmm. that's my exact thinking on it. Yeah, and I think that's kind of America's thinking. Right. We speak for America. <laughs> we are speaking for America yeah. right now. We're happy either way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because it is like if the Viking, it's like it's like if the Vikings made the Super Bowl almost. Like we've never 
you know, have the Bengals ever won? I don't think so. It gives us hope. It gives us hope. It gives the rest of the country oh, hope. Exactly. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. If they can do it, why can't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if I was putting money on the game, I'd go Bengals. I think it's at four and a half, plus four and a half. It's a lot of points. Like, I mean, every game's been like a field goal win or it's sending into overtime, so... Vegas is pretty smart. Vegas knows It'll be close to four and a half. It's going to be right on it. Yeah, it's going to be right on it. (laughs) Joe Burr, baby. (laughs) Yeah. So last time we talked, we were were going over just adventures, kind of, the whole deal. But you you ended us with a great little cliffhanger, so I think Mm -hmm. we got got to start out with the the bear story. Yeah, definitely. It's, It's a good place to start. It was definitely one of the most memorable experiences of the trip, my life. Like, it was freaky. Yeah. So, this day, I'm trying to think where exactly I was. I, I don't know the city name. Couldn't tell you, even if I looked at a map. I mean, it was like a small little city that I had biked into this one evening. Like, the sun was still up, and it was such a small town that I was like, everyone's going to see me come into town. Everyone's going to know I'm here. I don't want people to know I'm here. I don't want to, like, draw a crowd or anything. So I ended up biking past town, stopping and just, like, on the side of the road, checking out just, like, the scenery and everything. When the sun went down, I came back into town, pulled up into the baseball field, set up camp. Baseball fields were, like, the best thing ever because they're always, like, dugouts. They've got a little roof over them. So it's all about staying dry and just, like, it's these little things. But... I would totally seek out baseball fields. Is it legal? I don't know. <laughs> like, it didn't matter me. Yeah. That's a good I just question, like, and that's a good answer. I yeah. know. Like, I didn't, I didn't know. Didn't matter. Like, I had to find somewhere to sleep. And yeah. I always wanted to avoid the rain. And so, yeah, dugouts were awesome. Heck yeah. But I, so yeah, like outside of an elementary school, you know, the guy on the bike sleeping in the baseball field, it's not... It's not exactly who I want to be, you know? I don't want people, like, <laughs> come out and see me there. So, like, whenever I was forced with that situation, it would be wait until the sun goes down, then bike straight to my spot, like, don't draw any attention, set up the tent quick, go to bed, get up before the sun rises, and hit the road. So, that next morning, I, I do exactly that. I get up before the sun comes up. I start biking down the road. Still have to make breakfast, you know, oatmeal, peanut butter. All the good stuff we talked about last time. A little cheese. Yeah, a little cheese. <laughs> this time, though, I had some I had bananas with me, I remember. So, anyways, I'm biking down the road. It's like 6 in the morning or so, and I see a sign that says, um, historical site ahead. And so, usually pull over at those, just kind of see what's going on. This, you know, what makes it historical, what makes it cool. And so, I, I pull over, and it's this old, what was it? It was like a... It was like an old, I don't know if it was a mining operation or what it was, but there are all these buildings that the forest had just grown through. So old stone buildings and like, I mean, trees were growing through the very middle of them and like they popped out through the roofs of these of these buildings and stuff. And there's just this little gravel parking lot. So I pulled my bike into there, set up on this bench, and I'm just going to like make some breakfast. So I'm sitting there. I had... This day I just had bread and peanut butter. So I was making just like peanut butter sandwich and I had a banana too. 
So I'm sitting on this bench and just like reading the sign that describes the history of this place. And prior to making breakfast, just did a quick little walk around, like saw the trees, you know, sticking through all these buildings. It was a cool, cool little sight, but for me it was more just like, I need to stop for breakfast. So I'm sitting there eating and I hear just in the distance, I hear like a stick break, you know? And it's just like, you never know what it is, but like I looked around, didn't see anything that, you know, could totally just be a squirrel in a tree somewhere, but yeah, didn't really think much of it. So I go back to eating, you know, reading the sign, reading about this place and everything. And I hear another stick break and I'm just like, okay, like, could this, like, I don't know exactly what's going on, but like, there's something in the woods pretty close to me. But like, I look up and I don't see anything. So, you know, I'm just kind of minding my business, eating breakfast. And then all of a sudden, I mean, the forest just erupted. I hear just the loudest like, scream. And what it is, it's a big old grizzly bear who was, it was sneezing. It sneezed and it was just like, I mean, imagine, like, think of the lungs, the size of the lungs on a grizzly bear. Like, it just explodes all at once, and it was just, like, freaky. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I hear this sneeze, and I look up, and I'm just like, oh, my God. It's this big old grizzly bear. It's like a dinosaur had stepped out of the woods, and it's right in front of me. It's, like, 30, 40 feet away. Wow. And you didn't have a gun. Oh no, I didn't. I had a banana in one hand and peanut butter toast in the other. <laughs> you know, what do you do with that? And some hot cheese that that thing's smelling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, oh, so yeah. ultimately, no, I, I realized I was downwind of the bear. It didn't smell me, it didn't see me, it didn't know I was there. So okay. I look up, freak out, and I stand up and I just go, hey, bear. I say, get out of here. I yell at it. And it looks up and it grunts once it sees me, spins around on a dime, and takes off back into the woods oh thank god and i'm just like oh my god so i grab all my gear i don't even like put it back on the bike properly obviously i just like gather what i've got jump on that bike and i've never pedaled so hard in my life it was just like i need to get the heck out of here so you know it's like 6 30 in the morning i'm ripping through this gravel parking lot there was one other car that fortunately was like in the parking lot Cause I was just thinking, man, I mean, if something went wrong, if that bear decided I'm pissed off and I'm coming back and I'm going to come get this guy or something, I had some sort of safety with that car, but I'm telling you, I was on my own in the middle of nowhere and it was like full grown boar grizzly bear. Not a pretty sight to see. 630 wow. in the morning. So yeah. how, did, <laughs> how, how did you know to, how was, how did you know to yell at it like that? Cause I feel like for yeah. me. I'm trying to think of how I would react to that situation of a bear coming out and I'd probably just, I'd freaking run. I mean, oh. that's probably the wrong thing to do. I don't, you know. Well, for me, it's pure instinct. I didn't think about it at all. I mean, it's like the bear sneezed. I, I'm telling you, this, the snot cloud that came out of this bear, I mean, it was like six foot in diameter. It was like this <laughs> huge cloud of just <laughs> snot. It was How tall was the disgusting. bear? Disgusting. Do you know? What I remember is just the bear looked like a dinosaur. I mean, it was so big and it was so fluffy. Like its head, its shoulders, everything was just like this. And I swear you could have like stuck your hand in there and it would just get lost in the fur. It was so fluffy. <laughs> but huge. I mean, massive. I mean, it was really, really like, and to see it that close. Yeah, wow. Just the whole experience was, was pretty nuts. 
Yeah, because so, 30 feet's not far. Like, I mean, it's not, like, it's it's close. I mean, you can throw a marshmallow 30 feet. <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah. right there. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. That is a <laughs> yeah. perfect way to put it. So, <laughs> it was crazy. You know, I, I remember after that experience, I asked a bunch of people, like Canadians, just like, what should I, have done? like, what do you do with the grizzly bear? Like, I just fortunately hadn't had experience at, at that point in time. Like, not a up-close one. And they were just like, you yelled at the bear and tried to scare it away like what were you thinking i was like i wasn't thinking it was just instinct and it totally worked you know big bad nate scared away the, <laughs> <laughs> the bear but yeah people were, were very much like grizzly bears you just hope they don't you know mess with you like you don't want to piss off a bear black bears you can scare them away they're more skittish they're more like squirrels is how people would put it but the grizzlies they're like you don't you don't piss a grizzly bear off so yeah they'll stand their ground yeah they fight back mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i was also told like good job of getting the heck out of there because who knows if it's pissed off it might come back and come grab you <laughs> like i'm telling you i got the heck out of out of that little historical site oh yeah. you know i would have been gone yeah of course i mean it was nuts so like i kept biking down the road then you know adrenaline is just pumping i'm constantly looking behind me just I don't know, is this thing going to follow me? Like, I don't know what's, what's going on. So I just kept going, head down. And it wasn't 20 minutes later that I was biking and I saw a black bear on the other side of the road that was getting right across the highway, right in front of me. And they ended up doing it. It crossed probably 100 feet in front of me. And they don't have great vision, so it didn't even notice me. But I remember just being like, it's just like a dog. You know, like the black bear in comparison to that grizzly that I'd seen, I was just like, the size is so, so, so much smaller. Like, wasn't even phased by a black bear. Wow. Just after, like, having the experience that morning. A couple, you know, like 20, 30 minutes before. And yeah. that's... I was in bear country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did you already mention where, like, where you were? What area? Somewhere in Canada. Gosh. And I remember I had crossed the border... He biked to Alaska. No, so I know. But I like probably a lot of places you can't yeah. know. Like, like what? Like it would have been. I'm pretty sure it was Alberta. It was a few days after I'd crossed the border, and I crossed the border right next to Glacier National Park okay. in Montana. Yeah, some little town, middle of nowhere. You know, a couple minutes out of town. Yeah, I stopped at like a, a visitor center later that day, and I remember chatting with the gal that was working there, and. And telling her the story and she was like i'd never i've never seen a grizzly bear in this area and she'd been there for years she told me that she had recently been on a run on a trail and came across a wolf and freaked out she said that was the scariest thing she was just like a wolf in the middle of the day like that's just also something you don't want to see you know mm -hmm. but yeah just a pretty wild pretty wild area i was in there very yeah. that wolf's gonna pounce on you <laughs> yeah you just never know i mean Animals that are just bear? so unpredictable. And you know for a fact it was a grizzly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no mistaking it. That. I saw it. I mean, we locked eyes, and it was just like, oh, my God. That thing was big, big. Yeah. And your reaction? Was I stood up, and I just, like, seriously, I tossed the banana, and it was just, get out of here. Was, like, was oh. there any part of you that was, like, tensing up to get physical with him? No, I was... I guess you you, you know fight or flight, right? right? I mean, what do you think yelling is? Is yelling fighting or is it flight? 
Yeah, I guess it's more defensive. It's like a defensive ploy, like, right? You're going to yell at something to get away. I think it's fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I was fighting. Because if you're... If it was flight, I mean, you'd run away, right? Like, right. I stood up on that bear. I mean, I got as big as I could. Like, yeah. instinctually, it just, it didn't even, didn't even cross my mind. It just happened. Yeah. So, that was a pretty crazy bear story. That's I mean, wild. You don't yeah. need coffee to wake up after that. You're, no, you're good no. to go. Oh, I was juiced. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine 6.30 yeah. in the morning just... Eating a banana. Yeah. Sitting on, were you sitting on a log? Yeah, just sitting on like a bench. Just sitting I mean, on a seriously, log. I'm like just reading a sign, enjoying myself. Like just a nice morning. And out comes the grizzly bear. And it sneezed. I mean, it was just like. <laughs> and it oh. sneezed. And you saw the. Oh, the, it just created a cloud. Duh. It yeah. was so gross. Yeah. That is. Yeah, it was wild. I remember calling my buddy Boonus. You guys remember Andrew Boonus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I called him when I got to that visitor yeah. center. We had, I think we'd already scheduled a phone call at mm. some point and it was and yeah i reached out to him told him the story he was like oh my god dude be safe like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't love hearing that i texted my parents i said i i'm trying to think exactly what i said but it was along the lines of today's breakfast include a little bit of a scare and then they asked me more and i was like yeah i came across a pretty huge grizzly bear and it was super freaky and i'm really happy that i'm like here in this visitor center sending text messages because i could have gone south uh, real quick and like I, I i also remember thinking so i carried bear spray with me like on my handlebars i had a little bear spray holder and so i mean i could access that in a half second and i remember thinking afterwards like as i was biking away no way would that bear spray stop that bear if that bear wanted me i was that bear's you know meal or whatever is it supposed to be like mace to yeah. a bear or are you supposed to spray it before the bear comes spray so the bear eyes it's just it like a big cloud of nasty yeah so yep that was my uh pretty crazy bear encounter that's an insane encounter yeah did you have was there any other like animals or unique weird animals you've never seen before yeah there was there was one time in mexico where I was leaving Mazatlan, biking towards Puerto Vallarta, and I just remember biking and thinking there was like a a tire or something in the road, and as I got closer, I realized it was a crocodile. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I was just like, In the middle of the road. Yeah. I just had no idea. I was so surprised. I mean, that, it didn't really, like it freaked me out. In the moment, but then I was like, oh, it's, I don't know. Like, I didn't think it was as scary as, like, a bear. I didn't think it was going to come charge me or something. But I just waited a while until it slithered away. And then I went around it. Yeah. So, like, seeing a crocodile in Mexico is pretty nuts, too. And that day, I remember, I, um, gosh, there's, like, this little lagoon area or, like, marshy area. And there are all these signs that were just talking about cocodrilos right? Crocodile in, in Spanish. And it was just like warning crocodiles, warning crocodiles. And so I pulled up on this little park where there were these platforms. You could look out on this marsh area. And I just remember seeing crocodiles everywhere. I mean, there are probably 20, 30 crocodiles that were just hanging out on banks, hanging out in the water. You could see their eyeballs, you know, right above the water line. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is really, mm-hmm. that was crazy. And that was just one day. I never saw a crocodile again. 
It's just like in this one little part of, hmm. yeah, mainland Mexico, around that western coast. Yeah, Pacific side. <laughs> Would a crocodile really even be able to catch you on a bike? I don't know. I mean, they seem pretty fast. I yeah. I feel like they could. He could probably like nip at you and like grab you by the ankle, and then I think they like twist. Yeah, I think you get away pretty quick if you if you wanted to from a croc. Like, I don't know. Unless I think they're they're more sneak attack. Like if you were kind of like. Like you say, you were in a bridge fishing or something. Yeah. You wouldn't see them coming, and they'll jump Grab out of the you water up, at you. Pull you in. Right. Yeah. But if you're on a bike, I feel like you can get away from a croc. Just maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel as scared with the crocodile. Yeah. I was really shocked at what I was seeing, but like, I didn't freak out. Like, I freaked out the bears. The bear? Yeah. Bears, they're fast. Yeah. Those things can move. I... I I think I remember reading that they can move up to like 40 miles per hour. Like, that's wicked fast. And they'll climb and trees. And they'll yeah. Climb. They'll okay. get you. Yeah, they'll get you. <laughs> the fastest people in the world run, what, 26 miles an hour? 27 maybe? You say more? 27 no maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I know in the NFL when they're like doing the straightaways, they clip the fastest or, or sure. how like fast they're running. 22. It's like usually 21, 22. So yeah. you think you'd see and those Bolt. are really fast guys. Oh, yeah, so totally. I would think Usain Bolt's like maybe four seconds faster. Or four miles per hour faster. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Animals can run pretty darn fast. Pretty darn fast. Yeah. So. No, that they was a cool experience. Right. Yeah, for sure. I remember tarantulas were pretty cool to see in Central America. Oh, there were times, I mean, tarantulas down there, they're, they're black and orange. They're good size. And I'd see them mostly as roadkill, because they're like big enough that you can't miss it. Yeah, because it's like seeing you know you see a splat like that on the road, right? And it's got eight legs. I mean, it's freaky, but then you realize, like I I think I only saw two live ones. Okay. One of them was pretty cool. I saw it come across the street, and I waited. No, I just watched it, and I was waiting for cars to come by and just splat, like just run it (laughs) over. And I took a couple videos that were pretty funny that were just like, come on, come on, here it comes. Like, I could hear the car coming, and it would just miss the spider. One of the videos, like, the spider, seriously, I don't know if it got clipped. Like, one of its, like, feet got, or legs got clipped. But the thing started hauling it to the shoulder right where I was. And I'm sitting there videoing it, and it was like, oh, my God, it's running at me. And so then it was like a desperate moment of, like, I got to get out of its way because I am not messing with the tarantula. No, no way. <laughs> don't love don't love huge spiders like that. But no, I don't think anyone does. No, yeah. they're kind of freaky. They're pretty freaky. Yeah. None of them the, got in the tent? None in the tent. That'd be my worst fear. Yeah. Waking up. Spider on your face. Or just oh. in the tent. You know, you yeah. feel it, like... You know? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, spiders will freak out. Yeah. Yeah. The scariest of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember camping with Johnny Dill actually mm-hmm. a couple years ago. We were hiking the Spear Hiking Trail. And I got to just laugh my butt off one night because we were in separate tents camping up on this like up on this huge bluff overlooking Superior. It's a gorgeous spot. I remember going to bed and just hearing Johnny scream wheel absolutely just scream because he felt a little spider that was like crawling up his leg and he just had no idea he swats at it and it's it's dark and he's just like i don't know where it went he was there like with his you know with his light like trying to figure it out trying to find the thing kill it let it go whatever 
he couldn't find it. It was just like not a good way to go to bed. Tough to sleep. Yeah, yeah. tough to sleep. I'm no, you guys like, like I'm sleeping in your tub. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were um, like, I'm not opening mine up. Yeah. Uh, uh, I hope Megan doesn't listen to this because she'll never want to go camping again. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that was yeah. It's rare. It's rare, Megan. Right. Yeah. We'll just, uh, <laughs> there's not many spiders. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> totally. But no, that that was kind of it for like crazy animal run-ins. Like the bear was nuts, the crocodile was super just yeah. weird, different. But outside of that, it was pretty tame. Dogs were the worst thing in the world, actually, of all things. That's kind of been a surprise to some people. And the, the well, in you? Mexico, right? Everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere? Everywhere. Literally, I left I left Minnesota with one piece of gear was a you know when you like go into like a parking lot? You got some parking lot attendants that have like a flag on like a wooden stick or something. They're just like oh, waving yeah. you in like, hey, park in this spot or something. I found one of those in a parking garage that we worked out for valet. And I took it, rolled it up, rubber bound the, like the, the flag part of it. So it's just this nice beefy stick that's this long. And I kept it accessible all the time because it was my dog beater. Hmm. And like... I hate to call it a dog beater. A lot of people don't like that so much, but I'm telling you, when you a dog him. comes comes crashing at you, just I mean, they they come in and I think some want to play, but I think some also want to bite. Like I'm not like I was just ready. Yeah, I was ready. I never had to use it. Never had nice. to use it. But yeah, that was that was Murphy's really freaky. Murphy's like Murphy's. Don't, don't take that out that. on me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never, I never had to smack a dog, but oh, I had some just horrible encounters, and oh, I've had them no. on other bike trips too, where I, had, I got surrounded by pit bulls in Puerto Rico once. My first bike trip ever. That was super freaky. I was like, on this, are, are they like on a leash or something? How are they? No, they're strays, and they're just huh. Yeah, they just what what I think it is is that dogs like moving objects. Right, so it's like they naturally are like, oh my gosh, here comes a bike, like slow speed, I can go play with it or whatever they're trying to do. But I just remember, yeah, this there was like this mama pit bull that came running up to me, and all of her little ones came. And the little ones were like probably a year old. I mean, they were pretty decent size, and I had to get off my bike and just like keep it between me and these dogs as they just started circling me. It was so scary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was my first bike trip ever. I was in Puerto Rico. It was my senior year of college. And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> now I know what my buddy Matt was telling me when he said, pack a dog beater. Because like, dogs come after you. So, yeah. Wow. Dogs were the most threatening one, I guess. But they were. The <laughs> yeah, exactly. The bear was quick, but the dogs, they were constant. It was, I mean, it was in Minnesota, it was in Mexico, it was everywhere. Alaska. They'd come running down driveways and just like, yeah, come right up on you. Super freaky. What about people? When mm. we talked about the uh, last time, we talked about the where were they from? The boys. Oh, the Colorado boys. Colorado boys, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the t- couple guys that you met yep. early on in the trip. That you Gary and Ivar. Gary and Ivar. Yep. Um, Jonas, the world, Jonas. world record guy. Yeah. Yeah, look at him. Up. He's he's a cool dude. Did he's you look a, him up? Yeah, he's a oh, badass. He is like, a monster. Is he a monster? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty unassuming guy. Right. right. Like, he's tall, skinny. Yeah. He has he, a big beard sometimes, like when he's traveling, he does. But, like, good looking guy. 
looks like anyone walking down the street, but then, yeah, you read into what he's done and, it's like, just look at his story. Dude. Like, it's like, whoa. I mean, that's how he lives. That's his life. It's like, oh, yeah. my God, what? Just awesome. But, yeah. So what, like, moments of the trip stick out to you when you think back to the trip? Like, what are the moments that stick out to you? What are the... Yeah, a story I definitely wanted to share with you guys that, like, totally stands out. It's just, like... Um, good people. There are good people everywhere, but there are a couple people that like really, really stood out. And one of my favorite stories looking back on the whole thing was when I was biking down the Baja Peninsula, um, just right when I entered Mexico, I met this guy. Let's see. I was, I was biking with this Canadian couple, Allie and Jarney. And there was a day we were cruising. I got ahead of those two. Actually, I think Jarney was ahead of me. I was behind him. Anyways, however it worked out, we, we stopped at a hotel, just to, like catch some shade, middle of the day, hang out, water break. But I remember stopping to like read a book right outside of this hotel. And I was sitting there reading for a while. A, a tour bus came up and a bunch of Mexican folks got out of the vehicle. Like they're on, on this tour. And they came to this hotel to grab a coffee, bathroom break, whatever, you know, they're just between destinations. And a bunch of people walked past me, but one guy stopped. And it was this guy named Raul. And so Raul, he comes up to me, he's just like, hey, like, what are you doing? Or where are you going? Kind of thing. You know, I've got this huge bike and it always, you know, begs the question, what, what are you doing? Like, this is really interesting. So I told him, I was like, I'm from Minnesota. I biked up to Alaska this year and now I'm here and I think I'm going to Argentina because at the time I was like I think I'm gonna go all the way to Argentina and he was like are you kidding me <laughs> like no way and so you know the the exchange was pretty quick but he was just like good for you like that's awesome he ran inside he used the bathroom came back out he goes hey here's my card he said when you get to Mexico City give me a phone call like let's hang out I was like awesome sweet and all the people in this bus, like, they're all really well-dressed, like, really, everyone just looked formal, like, well-off. Like, it was just, it seemed to be, like, a fancier tour that these guys were on. And, yeah, it was just like, sweet, I'll do it. So, I got Raul's card. It was Raul and CISO, and, um, yeah, he's the owner of, like, a hotel, I think is, I think the, the card had, like, a hotel on it or something. So, anyways... Fast forward a little bit, those, those guys take off, I continue on my bike trip, and Raul, I'm, I sent him a message and just said, hey, like, it's Roberto, my, my name in Spanish, I always told people I'm Roberto, because people understood that. If I, if I introduce myself as Nathan or Nate, nobody, like, it's just, it's so uncommon down there, like, nobody's named Nathan or Nate, so my middle name is Robert, so my Spanish name, I just said, I'm Roberto, and then people remembered me, so... You know, um, I send Raul text messages. Hey, hey, it's Roberto. Like, how's it going? Um, and he would just always be like, you know, where are you at? How are things going for you? Do you need help? Do you need anything? Like, I know people everywhere kind of thing. And, and I was always like, nope, I'm good. Like, thanks for checking in. Send him some photos. He'd send me some photos. And it was a couple, I don't know if it was a month later or so. I flew home for Christmas 
came back. So it probably was like a month and a half, two months later after the first time that we met that I was getting close to Mexico City. And so I send Raul a text. I just said, hey, like coming up in Mexico City, how are you doing? Any chance I can come see you wherever you're at? He said, you know what? He said, change course. He said, you should visit this city called Zempoala. I was like, okay, cool. Like what's in Zempoala? He said, that's where I'm at. He said, you should come meet me. Here's this, here's this address. And so it's the same address that was on his business card. And it was called La Hacienda Casa Grande. And so Hacienda is like a ranch. And ranches out there, huge properties, like, yeah, tons of acreage, just really interesting. Usually there's a lot of like money there and just people that just have really interesting things. So anyways, I pull up to Zempoala and I get into this town pretty late at night. And I'm, as I'm entering this town, there's all these buildings all over me, or like all around. And I'm just kind of slowly working my way up towards this hill because I'm just looking for this address. And I had it on my phone and it was like, it was at the top of this hill. So I get up there and I've realized like, wow, this address is just this massive building, right? It's La Hacienda Casa Grande. So the big house big ranch, house. right? You know, just a rough interpretation there. And so I get to the front door don't notice a doorbell or anything. It's just like one of those metal rings, big wooden door. So I pound on it a couple times, no response. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just go around the block and see what I can find. Well, the block was huge, right? Because it's this massive building that spans multiple blocks. And I ultimately was chatting with somebody that was like selling things. There was like a little business that was tied to this, to this large property here. I said, hey, do you know who Raul is? And she's like, oh yeah, he owns he owns the, the hacienda here. I was like, how do I get in touch with him? She was like, I don't know, I just gotta go back to that door and bang on it real hard. I'm like, okay. So I go back to this door, and you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like these metal rings? And yeah. So I'm just wailing on it, just wham, wham, wham. <laughs> and you know, I'd sit there like, oh God, I just feel, I feel horrible, right? I'm making so much noise and ruckus. Like people are looking at me and like, oh my gosh. Well, eventually I hear some, some motion like on the other side of the door and it's Raul. He goes, hey, Roberto, like, how's it going? Kind of thing. He opens the door, come on in. So I walk in with my bike and I'm just like, whoa, this is cool. So it's this wide open like hotel. Or it's, or I say it's a hotel. It's not. It's it's a it's a ranch. It's a house. It just has many rooms. And so. I walk in there. Raúl is just like, yeah, welcome to. My hacienda, like, cool. You know, show me what it's all about. He he starts to describe it. It's a one hundred forty-seven room. Estate, ranch. And. I'm just like. So they're like, people here? He's like, no, this is just, it's my place, right? So, wow. Raul's there, yeah, he's got kiddos, but like, he was just maintaining, he was just there. Like, it's it's his place in Zempoala, he's got a place in Mexico City. He's gonna have some money. Yeah, definitely. So, what I come to learn is that this hacienda, at one point in time, was a, was a stopping point, like, on their property, they used to make pulque. Pulque is an old school Mexican drink that's made from the agave plant, like same thing as tequila. What they do is they they cut the leaves of the um, 
of the plant there and the sap that comes out they just collect it and bottle it, it ferments on its own and it ends up just being like this gooey liquid that's alcoholic not very alcoholic but it's just a really interesting mexican drink well they used to be like the pulqueria or like the pulque manufacturer of like mexico from what i remember and so they would ship they'd bottle this pulque and they'd ship it across mexico and they were like the place that that made pulque so they made tons of money with it wow there was an aqueduct that was built, that was erected outside of the property and, and went all the way into Mexico City. It was like 47 miles long that like started on their property. Like they built all this. Like it was just, there's generations of, of lots of money, um, just really cool history. And ultimately Raul inherited, he and his brother inherited this, this property. And so he was like, if you want to, you can spend the night. I'm like, Phew. For sure. Let's check <laughs> yeah. this place out, you know? Like, this is, like, amazing. And so that first night, he showed me half of the house, you know, half of the 147-room estate. And, like, I was blown away. I think there were seven kitchens. I remember there was a library that was, like, two floors. Like, you had to push around this ladder Holy part. Holy crap. And there's just so many old, you know, encyclopedias, interesting books of that nature that, you know, I just like in the moment was just like blown away. I was like, I'm surrounded by so much history. Really, really cool stuff. Every kitchen was like a different decade of the past or different century or something like that. And Raul's just this, this older guy. I think he was probably in his 60s at the time and just super friendly, like Want to show you a little bit of history of Mexico. I'm like, cool. You know? That is amazing. Yeah. So I crashed at his place, got up in the morning, made breakfast. He showed me the other half of the property. Then we went outside and he had like horses and pools and all sorts of like really cool stuff. And he was just so fascinated with my story. He was like, well, I want to introduce you to all these other Hacienda owners around town. And so, right, he's like, he's got this huge hacienda in the town of Zempoala. Well, we jump in. Oh, yeah, he showed me, like, old cars that he had in his garage. Like, they were just really cool things wow. there. And oh, it kind of sounds, just to pause for a second, yeah. it kind of sounds like he might be involved with the cartel. Oh, oh I was thinking that the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or tequila. I mean tequila. Tequila. Like, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of wealth. In or like you said, the water, mm-hmm. the aqueduct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like big staple things in Mexico. Right. Yeah. I didn't get the impression he's like the most down to earth, cool guy. It wasn't right. people with Nothing AKs sketchy. on the property. No, there right. were guard towers that back in the day were like, you know, there were armed folks that were that were guarding the property. Right. Yeah, but no, he was he's seriously like the nicest guy in the world. And it was later that second day that, yeah, he took me around to a couple different different haciendas. You know, there's probably a 20, 30-minute drive between all of them. And one of them, this hacienda owner, he had started his own brewery on his property. He was just bottling his own beer, like had his own brewmaster, all these different flavors. We were, like, trying out all of his home brew, which is really cool. There's another property. There's a guy named Miguel who was a collector of sombreros and um, saddles, like that go on horseback, right? Mm-hmm. And 
I got to hold the sombrero that Antonio Banderas in Zorro wore in his movie, you know? No way. This guy had a collection. It was a whole, like, room like this that was just, it was, there were so many sombreros, and Raul would be like, that one's really expensive. Like, that's, that's pure silver. Like, that whole sombrero, it's, like, just decorated in silver. Like, that's a really expensive one. And it was like this saddle, you know, it was a saddle that was used in Zorro, like Antonio Banderas. Like this was his, this was his saddle in that movie. And it was just like all these really, really cool items, like antique items. So he was a collector of things. He must know Antonio Banderas some probably. Somewhere, yeah, I'm sure Antonio would love to see that saddle. I'm sure he's seen it, you know, probably like since shooting the film. Yeah, so, probably. Yeah, it was just a really like. So coming back to, I think the initial question was like, what was something that really stands out from the trip, right? Like Raul just, he saw me as this bum reading a book outside of a hotel somewhere in Baja as he was on this tour with his wife and and other friends. And he just was like, you seem interesting. We started chatting and it was for the next like two months that we were just texting back and forth. And yeah, so I met up with him at his hacienda. I remember he drove me because then from, from his hacienda, I was going back into Mexico City. And he drove me somewhere, dropped me off at night. I remember camping outside of a police station. Met some firefighters. They gave me electrolyte powder that I carried with me the rest of the trip. I don't know, just weird little memories like that. But when I made it into Mexico City, I met up with Raul again. I got to go crash at his apartment in the city, meet his wife. Took he and his wife out for dinner, which he thought was so sweet. And it was super sweet, but I was like, no, like, I'm going to take you guys out. Like, dinner's on me. And I remember him just being like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm paying for dinner. And I was like, no, like, Raul, like, you've treated me to dinner. Like, you know, nights at your place. Amazing, amazing experiences. Like, oh, my gosh. The least I could do is take you out for tacos, you know? <laughs> oh, and he was just like, no, I can't. Like, I was like, no, Raul, like, it's all good, man. I got it. I got it. Um, yeah, and he dropped me off at my hotel that night. I stayed in a hotel in Mexico City for a couple nights. But, like, just salt of the earth, nicest guy. Obviously, there's, like, like as I've described, tons of wealth. Like, there's tons of money. Didn't mm-hmm. matter, that guy. He was just, like... That's awesome. You're pretty cool. And so we've stayed in touch since. It's, like, once a year. It's it's really, we don't, we don't communicate often now. But we do, like, send messages on WhatsApp, just some updates, like... Hey, happy new year. Hope you're well. Here's some pictures or something. But like, yeah, I was just going to ask, like you've met so many people. Yeah. I mean, do you keep in touch like with all these? Yeah. The, the way I stay in touch though, is just social media. Right. I, I connect with everybody on Facebook. Like along the way, it's just like, I would tell people, Hey, I'm, I'm taking pictures and documenting this trip. Like follow me on Facebook. You get to see updates along the way. And then people would send me messages and send them back. And so, yeah. I do like stay in touch. It's very loose, but it's just like through Facebook right. and WhatsApp for a couple of people too. Yeah. Cool. So that's one of the cool things about like today's world is that it's so easy to stay in touch with everybody. Now you got a sweet place to, to go in Mexico city. Anytime. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh gosh. That ranch sounds incredible. Yeah. It was really, it was really cool. And it was just so random how that all came about. It's funny how one conversation can just lead you to yeah, an unbelievable experience like that. That is insane. Yeah. Wow. Right? Like, I didn't wake up that day thinking I was going to meet Raul, and I 
you know, have these stories that would come from it months later. Right. Yeah, it was just, like, so random, but really, really, really cool. <laughs> I'm telling you, that guy is, like, coolest guy in the world. Huge fan of Raul. So, yeah, that was a cool experience. Did you journal every day? Journal, no. Um, what I did keep track of from day one till the last day of the trip was what city I had this small 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 little journal and I'd write down the city I started in the city I ended in and a very very brief description of where I slept and that's cool so like looking back there's you know and and when I read those those little entries it's like oh that's right yes like that's the night where you know I was sleeping next to a fence in a farm field and, and I woke up and there were like 12 cows that were just staring at my tent, you know, a couple feet away. And I had no idea they were next to me. I had a whole like herd of cows that were just staring at me. And I got up and it was like, <laughs> God, good morning. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow, crazy. You know, but it's like, yeah, like next to highway, lots of cows, you know, like just little entries like that, which, which is pretty, it's pretty sweet. It's not extensive at all. I'm telling you, it's the smallest little description, but it is something from every day. That's sweet. Cause it's helpful. I mean, it's yeah. to put it down yeah, in your memory. Yeah. It's easy to forget things, right? It's a lot of days. Yeah. It's a lot of campsites, but to have some little description totally helps. So yeah. Yeah. That's 368 days. Yeah. Pretty nuts, right? <laughs> that's nuts. So <laughs> It sounds like animals were kind of like your funniest encounters. Yeah, they're always interesting, right? Like, they make good stories because sometimes they're freaky. Sometimes they're really cool. Like, cows were interesting. You know, I'd bike past a bunch of cows and moo at them and see if they'd moo back at me. You know, I'm like, <laughs> guy in the middle of nowhere on a bike, like, go walk up to the to a fence, gra- like, pick some long grass and just see if I hold it out, will cows come up to me? And sometimes it would. Sometimes they're like, hell no. I'm not going near that guy. But like, <laughs> yeah, some really interesting experiences with animals. So when you're strolling, when you're going, when you're riding down the concrete, smooth pavement. Yeah. It's like the end of the day, sun's going <clears throat> down. Yeah. You're cruising, you're crushing, like you're feeling good. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about when you're just in your zone? In What's going on in your mind? Like, are you just enjoying the moment or are you, yeah. like, are you yeah. thinking about previous moments that you've had in your life or previous stories? Yeah, there, it was mostly just enjoying the moment. I mean, I, I was very, I was, I was pretty opposed to like listening to music or listening to podcasts or anything like that. Like I really just wanted to see the sights, hear the sounds, smell the smells, like just take it all in all the time. And so, like, there are a handful of times where I would plug in or something. Like, if I'm just grinding, you know, seven hours climbing a mountain or something, like, it's kind of tough to just do that without some sort of distraction. But, I mean, I'm like, yeah, a nice evening, like, beautiful sunset coming on. I'm mostly going downhill or I have a tailwind or something enjoyable like that. It's just, like, it's just joy. It's just really enjoying the moment for sure. Yeah, because, like, there's a lot of moments. It's 95% uphill and against the wind. Right. But, like, those 5%, the 5% where it's, like, a break. I mean, seriously, you'll climb for seven hours going up a mountain pass, and it'll take you 25 minutes or something to get down the other side. 
and it's you're going 50 miles per hour no brakes just i mean you're flying but like that's pretty cool yeah Yeah. do you have any bike issues i mean i i I don't i mean did you ever run anything where chain pops off takes an hour to (laughs) tire pops you're like oh shit i'm in the middle of nowhere yeah 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 um not really no major bike issues that's great i replaced my tires i think i burned through three full tires like where it got down to like the track like beyond the rubber like the whatever material holds it in yeah there's some sort of cloth or metal yeah that happened a couple times um but yeah just stop at a bike shop i left i left minnesota with two spare tires which was totally unnecessary but i made it up to alaska with both which was just so stupid i look back (laughs) i'm like god yeah oh it's just extra weight that i didn't need you know you overpacked overpacked but major bike issues no i I replaced the chain i think twice i'll be honest i still have the same brake pads on my bike right now that i left home with wow yeah i get yeah i mean that's some that's good those are some good brake pads i guess just Just never used them right you're always going forward yeah it's such a heavy bike like when you're climbing you never need it and going downhill the only time i ever really needed brakes is if i'm like in a city stopping at lights or if I was going down a really, really, really steep hill, like where it was terrifying, I would stop and brake, let the brakes cool for a little bit, go for a little bit longer, brake hard, let the brakes cool for a bit. But for the most part, I was brake free. Just ripping around without them. Like I just didn't need them. Yeah. <laughs> going 50 miles an hour down a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Brake free. Yeah. <laughs> just sending it, man. Just totally sending it it's such a heavy bike like i can just so much speed it's i'm just picturing you like like screaming (sighs) pumped up (laughs) oh yeah yeah there were a couple times i remember once i was in mexico i left oaxaca you guys have heard of oaxaca no okay it's a cool it's like a cool name it's a cool name it is a cool name i want to say it oaxaca (laughs) (laughs) try to guess how to spell it Ooh. it's actually a valid W A H, W A W A W A H A K, W A K A. H. Is that right? No. There's an X in there. Come on. All right, let's hear it. O A X. O. O A X A C A, Oaxaca. Yeah. Pretty wild spelling, huh? Might be wrong, and maybe they got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, Sounds where wrong. Where did that come from? Oh my god! I think they misspelled that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And one of the coolest experiences, I like climbed this wicked pass. I mean, it was I think it was two and a half days, going thirty miles in total. I mean, it was like so brutally steep that I just had to move at less like a mile per hour all day for two and a half days. It was so so difficult. But when I got up to the top of this pass i was above the cloud line and i was going up towards the northern part of mexico on the other side of this pass like going on the downhill side i was coasting right to sea level and so i went from like nine thousand feet to sea level in i don't know 45 minutes or something like that it was outrageous. And you're just cruising 
like flying. Wow. It's not even cruising, dude. Flying. <laughs> that is awesome. Rubber's like not even on the road. Sending like, it. Sending it. Is it relatively <laughs> straight? Like you're not taking a lot of turns? or Tons it... of turns. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, it was cool. Yeah, I remember that being fun. So like <laughs> when I was climbing that mountain pass, like it was super deserty. The Oaxaca side is very deserty. Got to the top and then it's like rainforest on the other side. It's the wet side of the mountain. Right, so I'm I get up to the top. I camped overnight, right at right at the the summit or like the pass. And the next morning, I look out and I'm probably I don't know quarter mile, half mile above the cloud lines. So like as I look out, it just looks like the ocean, but it's just clouds. And when I decided I was ready to go bomb it, like I started cruising, and then all of a sudden I dropped below the clouds, and below the clouds it got super wet. And it was just rainforesty, jungly, pouring rain. And it was just, yeah, sending it all day, man. It was just like the coolest ride ever. Cruised down to sea level and it was like, dang. Like that was a wild, that was a wild ride. Did you see anyone else on that stretch? I feel like that's like, I don't, I don't know. Like to do that on a bike would be, I want to try it. I think oh, you'd want to try it for like... sure. Oh man, it was cool. Yeah, I stayed with, in Oaxaca, I stayed with um, a friend I met on the road, a gal named Allie. I biked with her in Baja, met her in California. Her aunt and uncle lived in Oaxaca. And they, for a good stretch of time, like, ran a bike touring company. And so they did bike tours. Like, you could fly in, pay money to go bike around with these guys in different parts of Mexico for any period of time. And I remember chatting with them, and they were like, you definitely want to do this pass. You want to climb, it's going to be so hard. Like, it's it's miserable. But, man, when you get to the top, like, the view is outstanding. When you start bombing it, it's going to be the best send of your life. And it was. And I was just, like, so thankful that those guys had steered me that way because it was just an incredible experience. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a pretty cool stretch of Mexico there. That's yeah. awesome. Really fun. Any injuries? Like, did you get injured at all doing any of this stuff? I... Bug bites? <laughs> Bug bites, yeah, in Belize. I got lit up by fire ants once. <sighs> Realized I have a pretty wicked fire ant allergy. Yeah, I had a I had a pretty nasty experience. I was, like, I biked up into the city. Was outside of this church and I remember they were doing like a fundraiser selling some food um so I stopped asked if I could camp behind this church and and yeah I went back to go grab some food and as I'm standing there like paying for my food I just got bit like I had six bites on my feet and I just remember being like oh my god like I'm literally stepping on an anthill and didn't realize there were fire ants until it was a couple minutes later. I started like feeling super itchy down on my foot. And you were in Crocs. Yeah, man. I mean, the yeah. <laughs> it's no defense there. Plenty, plenty of holes for those ants to get in. Yeah, I just remember like this, this rash, this itch, this horrible, just like oh man, just tons of irritation. Just started working its way up my leg, worked its way all the way up my my torso, my chest. It was in my scalp, and I was just itchy from head to toe. And it was not too long later that I started noticing my airway was was actually like closing up on me, and it was just like 
I just need to wait this out. Like I didn't really think, I, I was, I felt pretty confident. Like I'm good. I'm good sitting here. I ended up crashing inside of like one of the buildings of the church. Everybody went home. So it was just me sitting in there. And I just remember it was a full night of just like sitting up, didn't feel comfortable sleeping or laying down. Cause I was just like, my body's really reacting poorly. Like I was just swelling up everywhere, itchy everywhere. And it was just my throat. I was like, man, just can't get as much air down as I normally do. And it was like, this is a bad allergy. And so I just waited it out. Fortunately, I was fine. Got up the next morning, kept going. But like, yeah, I had one nasty experience with, with fire ants and now, now I'm aware of it. But like, that was, that was kind of nuts. That's the only, the only injury. Yeah, yeah, bug bites. My knee hurt me when I was in Minnesota, but I got over that pretty quick and never had issues outside of that. Yeah, physically, I was I was in killer shape and didn't have much issues, which is awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. So by what time were you through, like, the Mexico kind of, I mean, so you were in Mexico City, that's mid-ish. Yeah, Mexico City, as their... Gosh, it was after Christmas. I was at some point in January. Okay. Yep. Yep. I was in Guadalajara. I kept my bike in Guadalajara. Flew home for Christmas for a couple of weeks. Came back. Continued to Mexico City. So it was probably middle of January that I was there. Got through Mexico a few weeks later. Must have been at some point in February, I think, that yeah, I made it into Belize. Mexico is a big country. It was huge. over a hundred days there. I mean, it's it's a long ways across. It's huge. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. Like amazing food, incredible food. Really, really nice, hospitable people. Like I had so much fun every single night. Like I had no idea where I was gonna stay. I would just go into Central Park, whatever city I, I stopped in or town, and just go find some tacos, go find some street food, start chatting with the locals, just kind of see who was. Who was chatty see who wanted to talk that night and once i'd find someone it would just be a matter of minutes before i'd be like yeah like i'm looking for a place to stay tonight any recommendations and they'd be like oh how about you just come back to my place like i don't think it'd be super safe if you just stayed in this central park or something like how about you just come back or like i don't know i just people would always send me like to their home their their friend's house or something like that and i usually would end up in somebody's backyard or inside of like a guest room or inside of a porch or something like that. Wow. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, there were many times where I met people that were like so interested in the trip. They're just like, I want you to meet my husband. I want you to meet my wife. I want you to meet my kids. I want you to meet my neighbors, my friends, my this person, that person. And it would just turn into a party, you know, go bike, bike over to somebody's house and they just start inviting people. And it was like, holy cow. I just got like 15 people together tonight and we're just chatting it up, like showing a beer or two and just like hanging out. And that was like, I, I felt that way across the entire country of Mexico. People were so incredible there. Yeah. Super interested in what you were doing. Yeah, interested and just <clears throat> caring. Like they just want to make sure I was safe and happy and having a good time. You know, yeah. Mexico has like a bad reputation here in the States or like it certainly did at the time. It's just being like a dangerous place, like place you shouldn't be traveling. And it was just the exact opposite is what I found when I was down there. It was my favorite country. Nicest people, best food, best hospitality, like 
I have more friends on Facebook from Mexico than any other place on the trip. I mean, everyone was just like, everyone was just a homie right away, right off the bat. Yeah, it was super fun. So what's like a, what's like a nugget that you learned that's going to stick with you that you want to tell the world? Like if yeah. you're going to tell the world one thing, what are you going to tell the world? People are good. Simple as that. Such a good message. Tanya, like, yeah. And yeah, it was that. There are a couple of things. If you if you look at my Instagram page, my Facebook, you'll see there are a couple of hashtags that that like really they're really meaningful to me at the time. And one of them was say hello. Like hashtag say hello. Just talk to people. Say hello. Like you never know what's gonna come out of out of a conversation with anybody. And so like just stopping being outgoing, saying hello to people. There were so many cool, random, interesting stories that came out of that. And it was just like, the more people you talk to, the better. Um, so that was a big one. The other one was be good to your people. Just like, people were so good to me. It's just, you know, it's, it's reciprocating positivity. Good stuff. Like, you put out good energy in the world, good energy is coming back to you. But yeah, people are good. Like, that was just the biggest thing. Everywhere I went, I'm telling you, like, I didn't meet a bad soul on the trip. I'm sure I ran into a couple people that maybe I wouldn't want to hang out with, but it was just like, if I if if something was off, I'd bike away, no big deal. But I'm telling you, 99.9% of people I ran into, it was just like amazing folks. Yeah, people Such are a good. Good mess, especially for just everything you know you see on. Um just out there in the world today it's just like yeah every most people are everyone is good 99% of the people are good yeah and like if you if there's something that's bad just bike away (laughs) you know like it's that simple it is that simple yeah and that's that's good to hear yeah so I think that's that was the main message on the trip and it's a good one definitely something I want to keep promoting to others because like you can trust your neighbors, your friends, everybody out there. Like, people are good. Yeah. Well, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. Be, be, uh, be good to people.